Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. The Inflation Reduction Act passes both chambers of Congress, but there's growing consent that it may have little to no impact on inflation, even though that's what it's called. Plus, are we in a housing recession? Home builders think so. And while rates to ship freight could be a sign that inflation may finally be easing. Hello and welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, episode 115. Today we begin with an update from last week, the Inflation Reduction Act, that everybody thinks that's not even going to touch inflation, but that's what we call it. It's a new Green New Deal, I believe. Okay, It passed a House vote on Friday right along with party lines. That means all the blue side voted for it and all the red side did not. But there are more and more questions concerning if the bill will actually affect inflation at all. Take a listen to this report from CBS. Most economists seem to have a consensus right now, and that is that if this bill does indeed become law, it will do very little to bring down the high prices we are all experiencing. I'm going to give you a couple of examples. So there's a nonpartisan group called the Congressional Budget Office, and they looked at this, they scored the bill, and they said it will have negligible effect on inflation. Those are their words. Also out today, a University of Pennsylvania Penn Wharton uh, analysis said that it would only reduce annual inflation by 0.1 percentage points over the next five years. So if you are looking to this to help you with your groceries, your gas, your rent, it's not going to do it. So Eli and David, you're on the podcast today. Eli, what do you think about this Inflation Reduction Act? You like the name, first of all? (laughs) Well, we can talk more about the name in in a little bit, but our team took all of the bill and condensed it into a few bullet points that I think are good to highlight for everybody. The first is the Inflation Reduction Act will invest $300 billion in energy and climate reform with a goal of lowering greenhouse gas emissions by 40%. And I think that's some time off in, into the future. I think it's like by 2050. Well, let me add something to, to do that. that. So if you're thinking about putting solar panels up or putting a windmill in your yard, this you're going to like that part. Or even purchasing an electric vehicle might, might even be there, – there's some tax credits for that. So another thing is that it will allow for the federal health secretary to negotiate the price of drugs for Medicare so the health secretary can go to the drug companies and say, no, we're not – if someone's on Medicare, they're not going to pay more than X amount per drug. So that, that could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, depends on how you look at it. And then this bill also puts a cap of $2,000 on out-of-pocket prescription costs for those on Medicare. So the most that someone could spend on met on prescription costs if you are on Medicare is $2,000. I don't think that's effective immediately. I think that's effective sometime in 24, 2024, 2025. So those two things right there on Medicare costs, drug costs, so who's going to pay them? That's what this bill is going to cover, right? All those costs that the person that's on Medicare doesn't cover. Yeah. Okay, here we go. (laughs) And then another thing that David pointed out before we started recording the podcast is this bill also allows for the hiring of 87,000 IRS agents. And and Mike, what did you say about the 
IRS agents before. Yeah, part of their job description requires them to be able to carry a concealed weapon and be able to use deadly force. Yeah, so you were asking the question just a minute ago, who's going to pay all these extra bills for these uh, extra Medicare costs? Well, I think you got your answer right there. The IRS is coming after you to make sure you pay everything you owe. That 87,000 people, if I heard it correctly, that's more than the Pentagon. It's more than the Razorback Stadium holds, to put that in perspective. So imagine a sold-out Razorback Stadium. There's more IRS agents that are are going to be hired. And think about that, too. I mean, how do you go out and hire that many people that are competent? I mean, the tax code, as we all know, is extraordinarily complex. There's tons of uh, things to know in there. You can't just go out and hire an army of IRS agents that are competent and know their job. So that just means, well, I've got my opinion on what it means, but <laughs> I think they're going to be given orders. Here's what you're looking for. And, and, and you're authorized to use deadly force potentially. I mean, it's in the bill, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're coming after us and they're not just going after the quote unquote rich people. They're coming after all of us. I mean, there's, if you do the math, I think I read on the internet, you know, everything we read on the internet is true. Absolutely. <laughs> I think there's something like, and uh, I, this number could be off, but there's only something like 1,500 billionaires in the country, I believe. And they've got, and they're hiring 87,000 IRS agents. So who are they going after? Well, if I did the math correctly, if it's 87,000 they're going to hire and we've got 50 states, that's 1,700 new, new IRS agents per, per state, state on average. Yeah. Yeah. To me, you hear that and you think, okay, that's 87,000 jobs. That's 87,000 new jobs putting money into the economy when just recently the new jobs report came out and it was stronger than expected. Well, what happened to the market when the jobs report was stronger? It went down. Why? Because we were expecting that the jobs report being strong is a cause of inflation. And now we're going to go give more jobs. Well, the money's got to come from somewhere. Where's it going to come from? taxes yeah. <laughs> so, i mean it's, yeah you and me <laughs> just it's hard to wrap my head around how this is beneficial but yeah well in the 300 billion they're going to give for putting up solar panels and buying electric cars i mean so, so you're funding people out of taxpayer money to upgrade their homes basically i read an article in it today about you know if you do your caulking and all that and they've got some extra incentives on that piece of it so Spending good money after bad, from Mike's opinion. Yeah, Mike's opinion. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe this will uh, work out great. But obviously, I think the consensus around the table here is that we don't, we don't see how this is going to be beneficial. Well, and according to the soundbite too, the congressional office doesn't believe it's going to reduce inflation. That's right. And the and that's uh, a nonpartisan organization. And the University right. of Penn at Wharton, they don't think it's going to reduce inflation. Uh, there is one little bright spot though. Uh, I was reading today about the. The 1% tax on stock buybacks. So if you think that, think about that. So this that happens next year, I believe it takes effect. So this year would be a great year for stock buybacks. So if the companies do buy their stock back, what does that do to the stock price? Typically, as a general rule of thumb, it would increase stock prices. There you go. Got to look for that, that nugget of good information in there. Maybe that's it. All right. Anything else on the uh, aptly named Inflation Reduction Act? <laughs> No, I think think we're good on that one. David, any thoughts? No. You think it's going to reduce inflation? Uh, no, I think I we're clear on that. May Eli, we all agree? We're consensus? No, but this next stuff we'll talk about maybe okay. maybe reducing right. inflation. 
All right, housing recession. What in the heck's going on with the housing? Now, I don't. I don't know if recession is the exact right word to use on this, but what we've seen, and and this, I mean, it makes sense if you if you've just kept up with the mortgage rates at all. Housing demand has has dropped drastically, and yeah. and that's very easily noticeable due to just the rise in interest rates for for a house. If you if you would have bought a home in January, you'd be paying around a three percent. On rate on your mortgage now you're looking somewhere around a, a five and a half to six percent rate depending on your credit score so that that basically double basically double your payments going up 30 40 percent really if, if from january to now and coupling that with housing prices are just at soaring rates and so there's been a strong decrease in demand well according to the information we have here it says the housing market has Dropped six points this month. It's the eighth straight monthly decline, and that's from Wells Fargo Housing Market Index. So there is a softening in the housing market. Uh, I was reading something, too, that said that a lot of people are backing out of contracts because now they can't afford the mm-hmm. payment because the interest rates have gone up. So, and, and a lot of that's supply chain problems, too. So supply chain's causing construction to slow down, so people who were under contract for January purchasing yeah. home may, may have been pushed back, and now they can't afford the mortgage. That's right. And, you know, we've, <clears throat> we've talked on uh, several recent podcasts about the definition of recession and whether we're in a recession or not in a recession. One of the things I can remember going all the way back to the, to the 2008 market crash back when because I was in this business back then, and uh, we talked a lot about back then about how important housing is to the overall economy because we're a consumer spending driven economy. I think 70% of our GDP comes from consumer spending. And a lot of that consumer spending comes from the housing market because it's not just the house, it's the appliances, it's the furniture, it's the lawn care, it's the, you name it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of consumer spending that goes into housing. So to your point, if we're starting to see a housing market slowdown, that could kind of prolong the recession or exacerbate it or whatever so it'll be interesting to keep a close eye on uh, what we see happening with housing it'll also be interesting to see if we start to see people leaving the real estate business i know during the massive run-up to um, you know as real estate was just demand was through the roof it seemed like it seemed like everybody i knew was becoming a real estate agent and uh, it'll be interesting to see if we start to see that fall back the way to normal I personally saw that last week with a client that is a real estate agent and is now going to go do something else. So yeah, that, yeah. that is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My prediction, if you, you want my prediction, is most likely if the real estate continues at this rate, you'll see probably just about 50% of the real estate agents yep. stick around. It's a it's a sink or swim industry. And if you're not if you're not swimming, it's a really hard industry to be in, especially in markets like what we have right now. That's right. All right well, how about some good news? U.S. freight shipping rates. What are they doing, Eli? Well, it, from what we can see on the data points that we have in front of us is that they're dropping. And, and that's, a, that's a huge encouragement, especially from, from our side of the table, that U.S. freight rates declined by nearly 2% month over month in July. So freight rates. We're talking about shipping containers, uh, trucking. Uh, those rates have seemed to drop some. You know, back during the pandemic when you couldn't get anything from China, 
you usually get a container from China at $3,000 and it jumped up to 10, 12, $13,000 a container. So now those things are slowly coming back down and inventories are starting to build. So there's less freight, and so they got charged less. Supply and demand, right? This is this is an encouraging thing, and and why I say it's encouraging is if we can get freight rates to go down. The statistic that we have here is tr- truck prices have doubled since 2019. A lot of that's due to trucks are more expensive, gas is more expensive, everything that is a component of trucking has gone up, and and there's supply chain issues coming overseas. So there's there's just a lot of problems coming through. So what you're speaking to, Eli, is the truck. The actual physical truck has doubled in price since 2019. So if you could have bought a truck for $150,000, now it costs you $300,000. And there is a shortage of trucks and truck drivers, but now that's a barrier to entry. Just that initial upfront cost of getting the dadgum thing to drive, much less put someone in it to drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's true, but if we continue to see freight, right, freight rates go down, that's extremely encouraging for inflation to be, to be going down, rates to be cut sometime in the future, or at least hold steady in the Federal Reserve, not raise interest rates. That's that's good from, from my side of the table. Absolutely. You too, David? Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, even though, yeah, I mean, we see, to your point, Mike, about the price of the actual truck doubling or whatever and all those constraints, I mean, the fact that we are seeing, uh, you know, signs in the, in the freight market, that inflation is decreasing that's that's obviously a that's a good sign so well, and, and there's we'll a hang our hat on some good news well there it's more good news i mean there's about an 80,000 truck driver shortage out there today 80,000 so if you want a good paying job and don't mind being away from home i mean walmart start there's around $100,000 to drive a truck $100,000 to drive a truck don't everybody leave the table here stay right here we need you here but <laughs> I mean, if you don't mind being away from home and you can drive, there's your job. Okay. Today being Monday, Monday morning, you might have noticed that the market was down. It opened up down. And right now, at the time of this recording, about 2 in the afternoon, it's actually up about 150 points. Eli, why was it down this morning? It was down because China said that they were going to decrease their interest rates wait a minute wait a minute we're raising interest rate why is china decreasing their interest rates u.s is increasing the rates but the reason china's decreasing their rates is their retail sales are off almost one for full percentage point their real estate market is slowing and their consumer spending's down 2.7 percent well it's not a big surprise because they've been shut down because of their next COVID outbreak so uh, they're doing anything they can to stimulate their yeah, economy. Yeah, their economy's kind of struggling, and that's just like our central bank does when our economy struggles. Their central bank is lowering interest rates. There you go. So, but if you saw that this morning, like, what happened? Oh, no, the market. That was all China. And now when the people like, okay, our economy's fine, and everything's picked back up. So uh, we're doing good. But if you really want to know what the market's going to do, you, you should just read the news. J.P. Morgan. <laughs> What's J.P. Morgan saying about the market? It's going all the way to the moon. It's going to keep going up. Well, well David, what about Morgan Stanley? What are they yeah, saying they're, today? And they're, and they're bearish. In other words, they're, they're predicting that what we've been seeing here since mid-June is just kind of a temporary bear market rally, and, and the bear market is going to resume. So to your point, Mike, I mean, you've got two supposed experts on the market that have polar opposite views, right? So who do you believe? Yeah. You, uh, from my perspective, if you're going to be an investor, you have to be an optimist. 
you have to be. Well, and we believe investing is long-term, like five years or more. Absolutely. So if you believe in the U.S. economy, then stay invested. Uh, Eli, thoughts on that? Yeah. It, anytime that you get into the argument of is it going to go up, is it going to go down, my, my only rebuttal and every time I ask the, the question to everyone who, who poses that question to me is, in what time frame are you looking? There you go. Are you talking about tomorrow, next week, next year? And then we're, then we're talking statistics and history a lot more than we're talking exactly what's going to happen. That's right. The answer is always yes. Just don't know how much or when. <laughs> that's so. right. All right. Uh, that's that's kind of the end of the podcast day. David or Eli, you got any parting shots on the current events for today? Uh, you know, I always like to, like I said earlier, kind of end on a good note. So I'm encouraged to see – Gas prices have, have continued to come down a bit. Um, you know, we continue to see, at least locally, anecdotally, consumer spending still very strong. So uh, we've seen the market rally uh, quite a bit since the mid since mid-June. So um, a lot to be optimistic about right now. And that kind of leads us into our thought of the day from Henry Ford. Henry Ford says, whether you think you can or you cannot, you're right. So if you think you can, you will. If you think you can't, well, you decide. Attitude makes all the difference. Well, folks, that's it for today's Mach 1 Market Moment. We're glad you joined us for episode 115. We look forward to you joining us next week on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, LLC, Mach 1, is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak to your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit mach1financial.com disclosures.